Welcome to From Hearing to Knowing. I'm your host, Charlotte Aber. Scientists from the University of Bristol have looked at all 14,500 participants in children of the 90s and found that if a girl's maternal grandmother smoked during pregnancy, the girl is 67% more likely to display certain traits linked to autism, such as poor social communication skills and repetitive behaviors. The team also found that if the maternal grandmother smoked cigarettes, this increased by 53%, the risk of her grandchildren having diagnosed Autism Spectrum Disorder, or ASD. Think about that, 53% higher risk of Autism Spectrum Disorder. These discoveries suggest that if a female is exposed to cigarette smoke while she's in the womb, it could affect the developing eggs, causing changes that may eventually affect the development of her own children. Further research is now needed to find out what these molecular changes might be and to see whether the same associations are present in other groups of people. Unlike the analysis of autism traits, which are based in over 7,000 participants, the 177 diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder were too few to analyze grandsons and granddaughters separately. The discovery, published April 27, 2017, in Scientific Reports, is part of an ongoing long-term study of the effects of maternal and paternal grandmothers smoking in pregnancy on the development of their grandchildren, who are all part of the children of the 90s. By using detailed information collected over many years of multiple factors that may affect the children's health and development, the researchers were able to rule out other potential explanation of the results. The incidence of ASD has significantly increased over the years, partially due to the fact, a side note here, that it's more clearly defined, it's more apparent in the modern American education system, meaning that people are looking for it a little bit more. Autism awareness has a direct result in increase in diagnosis. Going back a generation has revealed that an intergenerational effect, which interestingly is most often clear-cut when the mother herself did not smoke in pregnancy. Again, clarifying point, maternal grandmother, so it would be your mom's mom smoking. The reason for this is not entirely clear, but Professor Marcus Pembry, one of the paper's authors, says, in terms of mechanisms, there are two broad possibilities. There is a DNA damage that is transmitted to grandchildren, or there is some adaptive response to the smoking that leaves grandchildren more vulnerable to ASD. While no explanation for the sex difference, although we have previously found that grand maternal smoking is associated with different growth patterns in grandsons and granddaughters. Before we proceed, just in case you're thinking to yourself, great, yet another thing I can blame my mother for, blame your mom, blame the cigarettes. More specifically, we know smoking can damage the DNA of mitochondria, the numerous power packs contained in every cell. The mitochondria are only transmitted to the next generation via the mother's egg. The initial mitochondrial DNA mutations often have no overt effect in the mother herself, but the impact can increase when transmitted to her own children. 
In other words, you're just perpetuating your own flaws in your children? Professor Jean Golding, another author, added, We already know that protecting a baby from tobacco smoke is one of the best things women can do to give her child a healthy start in life. Now we've found that not smoking during pregnancy also gives their future grandchildren a better start too. We have started studying the next generation of participants, so eventually we will be able to see if the effect carries down from great-grandparents to great-grandchildren too. Dr. Diraj Rai, another author, added, We still do not know why many children develop autism and behaviors linked to it. The associations we observe raise intriguing issues and possible transgenerational influences in autism. Future research will help understand the meaning and mechanisms behind these findings. The National Autistic Society website contains a wealth of information about autism and details on how and where to seek advice. Alicia Holiday, PhD, Chief Science Officer for the Autism Science Foundation, said, To date, research into the case of autism has been linked to studying maternal or paternal exposures during pregnancy. By utilizing a birth cohort in the United Kingdom, children of the 90s, scientists are able to go back a generation to examine the role of grandparental exposures, presumably through germline mutations and epigenetic modifications. Hopefully, grandparental exposures will continue to be investigated to better understand this mechanism. You know, just in case you needed yet another reason to quit smoking. This episode was brought to you by Science Daily, materials provided by University of Bristol. Note, content may be edited for style, length, and dark or dry sense of humor. Thank you for listening to From Hearing to Knowing. It's that time of year, everyone, and people want to know, you've been asked before, why do people love horror movies? A bedrock assumption in the theories that explain and predict human behavior is people's motivation to pursue pleasure and avoid pain. How can this be reconciled when the decision to engage in experiences known to elicit negative feelings, it certainly seems counterintuitive that so many people could variably immerse themselves in almost two hours of fear, disgust, or terror. Basically how I feel when I watch people watch football games. Why do people pay for this? Why is this enjoyable? These are questions that scientists ask. I don't pay $200 for a jersey to watch a horror movie. Maybe it feels that way after I buy the tickets and the popcorn. And Investigators generally use one or two theories to explain why people like horror movies. The first is that the person is not actually afraid, but excited by the movie. The second explanation is that they are willing to endure the terror in order to enjoy a euphoric sense of relief at the end. But a new study by Eduardo Andrade, University of California, Berkeley, and Joel B. Cohen, University of Florida, appearing in the August issue of the Journal of Consumer Research, argues that neither of these theories is correct. We believe that a reevaluation of the two dominant explanations for people's willingness to consume negative experiences, both of which assume that people cannot experience negative and positive emotions simultaneously, in this order explains Andrade and Cohen in their study. People must know this, right? Right? You have a piece of cake, you have another piece of cake, on the second piece of cake you're like, wow, this is amazing, 
I am so guilty that I did this. They continue the assumption of people's inability to experience positive and negative effect at the same time is incorrect. Okay, case in point. In other words, the authors argue that horror movie viewers are happy to be unhappy. The novel approach to emotion reveals that people experience both negative and positive emotions simultaneously. People may actually enjoy being scared, not just relief that the threat is removed. As the author puts it, the most pleasant moments of a particular event may also be the most fearful. Andrade and Cohen developed and utilized a new methodology to track negative and positive feelings at the same time. Their method could apply to other experiences that seem to elicit terror, risk, or disgust, such as extreme sports. I don't know if you guys have ever watched motocross or UFC. It can get gory. When individuals who typically choose to avoid the stimuli were embedded in a protective frame of mind, such that there was a sufficient psychological disengagement or detachment, they experienced positive feelings while experiencing fearlessness. Reference to Eduardo B. Andrade and Joel B. Conan on the Consumption of Negative Feelings, Journal of Customer Research. Another article of research that I found related to extinguishing fear memories related to unusual changes in the DNA. A synopsis of this article, this was published in February of 2019 out of the University of Queensland for researchers who were confirming that mice, when put into a box and they had their little feet shocked when a sound went off, would be afraid as soon as they heard the sound. When they go into another box and they hear the sound, and their feet aren't shocked, they're fine. They come back to the first box, they hear the sound, they're less afraid. Put yourself in a situation that is a slightly different environment from the one that you experienced with fear, as their research alludes to. The likelihood that you'll be able to learn and advance and no longer feel that fear is high enough that you should give it a try. Go out there and face your fear a little bit. Come back to the previous environment as long as it's not an unsafe one, like you're afraid of getting hit by a car so you go stand in traffic. Give it a try and you'll surprise yourself. Be courageous this Halloween season and good things may come about. Note, contact may be edited for style, length, and dark or dry sense of humor. Thank you for listening to From Hearing to Knowing.